Forty days after Easter, Jesus ascended. He went up into heaven. It's one of the most important days, not only in the church year, but in the entire history of the world. It's important. The ascension and what it means is heavy. And it's not just because Jesus ascended into heaven against gravity. I want to paraphrase the Dr. Emmett Brown. No, there's not something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull. So what's the big deal about ascension? Why should we remember it? We 21st century Christians don't often give gifts. We don't go clothes shopping. Uh, we don't go Ascension Day caroling. No stores have Ascension Day sales. It wasn't always this way, though. In fact, earlier centuries, uh, in earlier centuries, Ascension was the second most important festival after Easter. In fact, the week Jesus died, Jesus himself spends more time talking about his ascension than he actually does about his resurrection and certainly about his birth. Well, if ascension was that important to Jesus, I have a hunch that it might be important to us too. But how? And why should we make time to celebrate ascension in 2019? Ascension gives us insight as to how God works. Ascension is important. It's heavy, heavy duty. And so I have, I have three things that I want to talk about with Christ's ascension. First, where did Jesus ascend to? Second, what does the ascension teach us about how God works in the here and now? And three, what in the world does that mean for you? Our lesson this evening is one verse from Isaiah. Even though Isaiah was written about 700, 750 years before Jesus, Isaiah gives us a glimpse into the reality of the ascension. He writes, Certainly this is what the high and lofty one says, the one who dwells with his people forever and whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. So where did Jesus ascend to? Well, as our creed puts it, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. What does that mean to sit at the right hand of the Father? Biblically, sitting at someone's right hand, sitting at the right hand of a king meant to exercise authority. I haven't watched it, but I imagine if you've been watching Game of Thrones, you would, you would understand this. The right hand of something means power, means authority. So to, for Jesus to be sitting at, at the Father's right hand, it's not a physical place, but it means that he's exercising divine power and authority. He dwells in a high and holy place. That's where Jesus is right now. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. We tend to think of Jesus as being far away from us. We tend to think of this because the Bible says, if the Bible says Jesus is going to come back again, it must mean he's far away from us now. But the fact that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father means that Jesus is in control right now. 
And that's point number one. Jesus is not far away from you. He is with you, with all his power. To paraphrase Martin Luther, if Jesus was on earth, he'd be far away from us. But now that he's ascended, he's very near. He is closer to you now than if he were still walking on earth. And we'll get to how in just a bit. Even the angels in the book of Acts, as the disciples were watching Jesus ascend to heaven, they didn't just say he'll come back as if he's gone entirely, but will come back in the same way. That's crucial. And it's a gospel promise, which means something about the way God works. Which brings me to point two. The ascension teaches us something incredible about the way God works. Most people think that when we die, we become spirits. That we just turn into, into beings of light with, with wings, maybe. And they think that, that, that right now our souls are just trapped in our bodies and that when we die, our, our souls will escape our bodies. However, what the ascension teaches us and teaches us, uh, us about our story, about the biblical story, is not about escaping anything, but God redeeming everything. God redeeming, making new the body, making new all of creation. As humans, we like to separate things. We like to give things distance. And we like to give things power that don't or shouldn't have any. It's a problem that the Israelites had in Isaiah. Just before our text in Isaiah, Isaiah describes vividly how the Israelites did this. They made idols. And they made a lot of them. And they weren't exactly creative about them either. See, they just saw what other people were doing and, and then they did the same thing too. Some of the references here in Isaiah may be lost due to time, but in this one chapter, it's probable that, that Isaiah references fertility cults, cult sacrifice, the child sacrifices rather, uh, from the worship of the Canaanite god Baal and Molech, the Egyptian god Bess, as well as smooth stones or nature which the people made into gods, and finally their own sexuality which they made into a god. This was a people that was literally closer to God than any other. And yet, in order to comfort themselves, they took things that were close to them and they made them far off. They put them above them. They made things like animals and nature and their own sexuality bigger and more important and more meaningful than they actually were. And this problem that they had was that they took ordinary means and they made them extraordinary. And we do this too, although maybe less noticeably. We do it with our jobs, our money, and we make them more meaningful than they ought to be. We do this with our relationships, our, our, our kids, we make them bigger than they are. We give them godlike status in our lives we take things that are close to us and we put them far above us. We take the ordinary and we make it extraordinary. 
But God works the other way around. God takes what is extraordinary and he makes it ordinary. God takes ordinary means, human flesh, and in Jesus Christ, he eliminates his distance completely by making the extraordinary ordinary. The point of the ascension is that the extraordinary has taken on the ordinary, our humanity, and has glorified it. The ascension tells us that Jesus did not somehow shed his humanity, but was bodily resurrected and ascended. It means Jesus right now in heaven is a man with flesh and bones. And this really is amazing because since the beginning of the church year, back in December with Advent, we've been talking all about Christ's humiliation. That is, that Christ did not always and fully make use of his divine power or attributes. Jesus humbled himself to be with us, to be born of the son of a virgin, to be born under the law, to suffer under Pontius Pilate, to be crucified, died, and be buried. These are all things that God, by his nature, can't do. But God did them. By becoming man. And now Jesus, still man, still with the same flesh and blood that was pierced for us, shed on the cross for us, still with the same scars in his hands and feet that he showed to Thomas and the rest of the apostles, ascends into heaven to make full use of his power and authority. This is something that men, by nature, can't do. But it's something that the true man, Jesus, is doing. This is what we call Jesus' exaltation. And it means something for us. It means we will be exalted too. It means we will be glorified. We will be restored to God in heaven. See, the story of Christianity is not one of a human becoming God, but of God becoming human. God becomes man to rescue fallen humanity and to redeem fallen humanity, to bring humanity back to God. This is amazing. That Jesus ascended as a man is spectacular. It means that our end too, not our our souls sowing away from our body, but our entire being, our entire self being restored to God. But when people usually hear about the ascension, they don't think of any of this. In fact, the most common reaction to Jesus' ascension is this. Well, Jesus doesn't really care. Maybe he's up there somewhere, but he's got nothing to say. Nothing to say for my life. The ascension really is just a nice way for for Christians to justify his non-existence. So therefore, he really has nothing to say in my life. Hence, no Ascension Day sales. But nothing could be further from the truth. The Ascension of Jesus, as God says through Isaiah, means this. I dwell in a high and holy place, yet also with the one who is crushed in lowly in spirit. 
in order to revive the spirit of those who have been pushed down and to revive the hearts of those who have been crushed. If Jesus once, through ordinary means, removed his distance, not by changing the deity in the flesh, but by taking the humanity into God, that means that God still works in the same way. So this is point three. What the ascension means for you right now is God's abiding presence and redeeming presence. As Jesus ascended, Matthew records in his gospel saying, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, because of and by his ascension, has eliminated his distance, and he continues to reveal his redeeming glory through ordinary means, through the word preached, through the water of baptism, in bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. He has gone away from us physically to be with us ordinarily. Theologically, we call this sacramentally. Jesus is here when you need him the most. Jesus is with you with his means of grace to revive your spirit that has been pushed down by the guilt you feel in your everyday life. Jesus is with you in his means of grace to revive your hearts of those of you who have been crushed by the weight of your worry and your suffering and your sin that you feel. The ascension is heavy, but Jesus' ascension does something better than overcome gravity. It lifts you up. It removes the weight of sin that crushes you and pushes you down. This is what the ascension of Jesus is all about. His present reign at the right hand of the Father, the redemption and glorification of humanity, and Jesus' greater and nearer presence to you in his body and blood through tangible means. Therefore, like the first disciples, encouraged, nourished, fed, and empowered through the Holy Spirit through these ordinary means, we go out into the world to proclaim that extraordinary message of the forgiveness of sins. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.